Anybody love the God that we serve? Yes. He's been kind to us. He's been wonderful to us. And we just love him with all of our heart. All of our Come on, let's sing this great praise unto him. Lift it up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Salvation and glory. second week of Eastertide, a season when we focus on taking up life with Christ, taking up Christ's loves and hates, taking up new things in Christ. Please pray with us as we speak and sing our prayers together. God is with us today. We give you thanks and praise, O Lord our God, for by your grace we are now dead to sin and alive in Christ. God, we thank you that by your power, we can lay down our burdens and find our hope and our joy in you. So let us rejoice together, Lord, and lift every voice and sing as we join with our brothers and sisters all over the world, but all through creation, that we can honor you and praise you. Be glorified today, Lord, in the songs that we sing and the posture of our hearts 
as we come before you in worship, to honor you, to thank you, to praise you, our God, who has won the victory. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hear this from Psalm 95 as an invitation to join in singing and in our worship. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. Let's heed that um, exhortation to us this morning and as we sing. I was buried beneath my shame.
Let's sing that one more time. Now your mercy. Now your mercy has saved my soul. And now your freedom is all that I know. The old made new. Jesus, when I met you, you called God's presence with joy and thanksgiving as we continue reading from the Psalms. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. 
for the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. It is good to give thanks to the Lord, to sing praises to your name, O Most High. To declare your steadfast love in the morning. And your faithfulness by night. To the music of the lute and the harp. To the melody of the lyre. For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. My Jesus, my Savior, Lord, there is none like you. All of my days, I want to praise the wonders of your mighty
God, our Father, we know you are the creator of all things. You are a good creator. You make things well and wonderfully and fearfully. There's something inside all your created things that wants to praise you with joy. And we, too, as your creations, want to praise you with joy. We sing for joy at the work of your hands. God, our Father, at Easter we remember that you create us twice. Once when you brought us into existence, and a second time when you make us new with Jesus, sharing in his resurrection. Thank you. We sing for joy at the new life you've given us. We praise you who created us and will resurrect us. Your work is good and will be complete and perfect. We sing for joy at the work of your hands. God, our Father, you created things and you still create with total control, total knowledge, in peace and with power, without chaos, without disorder, with righteousness, steadfast love and faithfulness. You call your creation good. Thank you, Father. We sing for joy at the work of your hands. God, our Father, you are a beautiful creator. We recognize the beauty that's in this world. In this world, we recognize the beauty that's in one another. We praise you as we think about what we see and know, your image in humanity, the wisdom and knowledge you create with your power that is so beyond our comprehension. We sing for joy at the work of your hands. We also sing as we think about what we will see and know when Jesus returns. We recognize the beauty of your resurrected life, a life of healing and justice and joy. We wait with the deepest longing in our heart for the day when you'll recreate all things and that healing and justice and joy will go forth on the earth. We sing for joy at the work of your hands. And we pray all this through Christ, the firstborn of a new creation, and with his Holy Spirit among us. Amen. Please take a moment simply to adore God, our Father, to tell God that we recognize the beauty in the world that he's made, and to tell God that we recognize the beauty of all humanity, all made in his image crossing lines of race and gender and age and status. You can use your own words and we'll end by singing again a verse we sang earlier. Let's pray together.
As we, with joy, during this Easter season, take up our life in Christ and take things up in Christ, we remember that one thing we take up is the peace of Christ. And so the peace of Christ to you all. And I invite you now to take a moment to pass the peace of Christ to those around you, pass the peace of Christ in the chat. And while you all do that, I'm going to make a quick costume change and location change to share some announcements. All right, pass the peace of Christ. Well, hey everyone, welcome. And a special welcome to those of you who are new with us this morning. Maybe you're visiting us uh, for the first time here virtually. And uh, we just want to say welcome. We're so glad to have you with us. And uh, you may be wondering, you know, what is it like to kind of connect with a church and a church life virtually? Uh, well, you're not alone. We've actually had several people over the last year uh, connect with us uh, during this COVID season virtually. And they've uh, jumped in. They've gotten connected in community and small groups and in various ways and even have begun serving. And so if that's you this morning, uh, brand new, uh, we would love to connect with you that way as well. If you could shoot us an email, uh, you'll see the email address on the screen. That would allow us to just reach out and, and start to build that relationship with you and help you get connected to the life of our church. Uh, but I'm so glad that uh, during this season, this Easter season, um, as we're kind of focusing on picking up our new life in Christ, that we are also able uh, to kind of pick up our new or renewed uh, church life together in person. Um, and we have several ways that we're able to do that now, uh, which we're excited about. Uh, first, actually, I'm, I'm sitting in uh, the pavilion here at Lake Akatink, uh, which is where uh, we have launched our family large group in the park. It started last week. Uh, I was here with my family and it was awesome. But um, right now, as we speak, at least I think so, um, I'm speaking a little bit prophetically because this is a pre-recorded video, right? But uh, as we speak, this pavilion is filled with kids and adults connecting with God, connecting with each other, celebrating, uh, worshiping together, and just hanging out and having, having a great time. And so if, if uh, you would like to come uh, check out Family Large Group in the park, uh, that will be happening every Sunday uh, at Lake Akatink here uh, at 1030 on Sundays. 
Also, our board of women uh, have kind of a place for conversations, and they're calling it liminal space. And, and those will be happening Sundays uh, starting today through One option will be an, an in-person option, uh, which will happen actually right here in this pavilion, probably at one of these tables right behind me here that will be filled with, with women just getting together uh, with our board of women to, to, to share, to pray, to be uh, in conversation together in that way. And there, there will also be uh, an option online uh, Sunday afternoons from 3 to 4 details on that. Um, as many of you know, uh, I will be transitioning from GCCC, from the pastoral staff here um, uh, in May, and uh, my family and I will actually be moving up to Pennsylvania in just a little over a week. Um, and we are going to uh, miss you all so much, um, but we are excited that we'll be able to have uh, somewhat of a farewell kind of send off next Sunday, the 18th, uh, during both of our services, both the, uh, the online live stream um, and uh, in person during family large group. Um, and after the family large group next Sunday, um, here at Lake Akatink, we're just going to hang out. My family is going to be here. And we're just going to hang out for, for most of the afternoon until probably around 3 o'clock. Um, and we would love to just have a chance to connect with as many of you as possible, uh, just to have a chance to say goodbye um, and to express our, our gratitude. This church has meant uh, so much to us and it's been such a blessing. So we would love to see you. Uh, next Sunday for uh, a little bit of a farewell. Um, and then we're, we are so excited, uh, not just for this family large group that's happening uh, right now, but also the fact that the Arlington site um, will hopefully be able to begin meeting again in person at the Doubletree in Pentagon City uh, in early uh, July. And I know, uh, you know, Pastor Carl and, and Pastor Steve and, and all of us really are excited uh, about that. And, you know, any anything that we do right now after having not done things for, for over a year is, is, is somewhat of a relaunch. Uh, and so we're excited to relaunch the Arlington site. And you'll be hearing more about that in the coming weeks just as, as uh, Pastor Carl and others cast vision for that. Uh, would love to uh, see many of you just get excited with us about that and even uh, jump in uh, to, uh, to, to serve in, in various ways and just be a part of getting the Arlington site kind of back off, off of the ground uh, this summer. As well, we have a, a baptism, um, part of uh, you know, picking up our new life in Christ, actually the primary symbol and expression of our new life together in Christ is baptism. And during our Lent season that we have just come out of, we've kind of, we, we remember our baptism, and that's kind of a time of preparation for baptism. And during this Easter season now, we're inviting people to enter into that time of preparation if they haven't already been baptized. And so uh, for any of you who are uh, new to faith in Jesus or you've just, you've never been baptized, or maybe you know someone who, who uh, is in that situation who should be baptized, uh, we would love to have you be a part of that. The baptism service itself will happen later in May, but there will be a baptism preparation class uh, that will uh, happen um, starting April 25th. And it will be a, a five-week kind of season of preparation, uh, including four meetings on Zoom together. Um, and you're also, if you, if you decide to do this, you're also accompanied in the process by uh, like a sponsor um, who is part of GCCC. It could be a you know, small group leader or a friend or a mentor who will kind of support you and affirm you uh, in this process of preparing for, for baptism. 
And so we would encourage you to consider that. Email Pastor Carl if you have any questions about that. Uh, and the sign-up uh, deadline will be April 21st. And finally, just wanted to let you know um, that uh, we will be posting our uh, audio of our services on a GCCC podcast. Um, we, we recognize that, you know, especially for those of you who are coming to, to uh, hang out here at Family Large Group on Sundays, um, which is awesome. We also want to have uh, just kind of multiple ways for you to access the online live stream as well. Some people really enjoy kind of going back and listening to that service as well, especially if you're in a small group that maybe is studying the sermon series. That'll give you a chance to, uh, you know, listen to that while you go for a walk or while you're driving or doing the dishes or whatever uh, and be able to catch up on that. Um, through the GCCC podcast. So I encourage you to, to check that out, to subscribe to that podcast if you're not already subscribed to that. Uh, again, check the website for further details and information on any of these things and the other things that we have going on in the life of our church, like our Tuesday night prayer times and other things. All right, thanks everyone. Well, welcome everyone. Thanks so much for being here uh, it's so good to be here together it's so good to be celebrating easter season uh together even though we're virtually it's so uh we're here doing it virtually it's just it's really great um so beautiful thanks um to everyone who's leading us in different ways uh, everyone who's posting on the chat to edify the rest of us um you know esther daniel uh Kellen, jenny tracy matt um thank you so much um well Today, we're starting a new sermon series that will take us through um, Easter season. And um, I just want to say that we can travel all over the world and find praying people of all kinds. So if we want to learn how to pray, there's a lot of places where we can try to learn to pray from. Um, we could watch YouTube videos. We could look up podcasts. We could order books. Um, and there's lots of what I think are, are beautiful ways to pray that are out there all over the world. Um, for Christians, though, um, our primary teacher of prayer is, well, Christ, Christ himself. So uh, to learn how to pray, our first question, our first source, I guess, is Jesus. So we ask, how did Jesus pray? What did Jesus call God? Uh, what did he pray about? And we have this thing that over tradition, uh, over time, uh, has been called the Lord's Prayer, that is, Jesus' Prayer. Um, that's a prayer that Christ taught us to pray. And um, many Christians say this, say this prayer sort of verbatim uh, a lot, all the time. But I don't think this prayer is just a prayer to be recited. It's a prayer to be understood and taken to heart to inform all our prayers. Um, during Easter season, we celebrate um, taking up new things and a new life with Christ. This prayer taught by Jesus is a way for us as a church to take up the passions and desires of God, just like Jesus did. So we'll be going through this Lord's Prayer, Jesus' prayer, phrase by phrase over the next seven weeks of Easter. Please pray with me. Father, we're praying to you as we're looking to your scripture and as we're just discovering or rediscovering how to pray. We pray that you would call us to be near you and teach us and speak to us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit with us who is speaking to us and teaching us and drawing us to yourself. 
Lord, lead us. Um, as we look at this scripture from Matthew, Lord, um, speak to us. Make things ring uh, in our gut. Make passion and desire uh, that is coming out of oneness with you. Make that passion and desire just resonate in our mind, in our heart, in our life, Lord. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Well, if you can turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, we'll be reading um, the first 13 verses of Matthew chapter 6. All right, so um, verse 1, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. I should, I should actually say before we read more, Jesus is speaking. So this is part of a larger sermon that Jesus gives. It's uh, famously called Sermon on the Mount. And um, this is Jesus speaking to uh, people who are followers or would-be followers of his. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as a hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That's hyperbole. So that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. That prayer that we see in those last five verses is what's called the Lord's Prayer, and we'll be breaking that down again phrase by phrase over the next seven weeks. Um, but today, we're just going to focus on the first phrase, Our Father in Heaven. Our Father in Heaven. Um, and when we pray, uh, just the first thing to notice right off the bat, the first thing um, that Jesus sort of teaches us in this prayer is that we call God Father. And this is not typical of ancient Jewish prayers that Jesus grew up around. This is a Jesus innovation. This is a very distinctly Christian, uh, distinctively Christian way of praying, a Jesus way of praying, addressing God as Father. We call God Father because Jesus told us to. Now, when we think about this, God as Father, we don't want to import all our meanings of Father into this prayer that you know maybe Jesus did not inha- did not have in mind. Like we don't want to project our images or our meanings of Father onto God. Like we might think, okay, Father should be affectionate. So if God is our Father, then God must be affectionate. Or Father should be stoic. So God the Father must be stoic. Um, fathers are abusive. So God must be abusive. 
fathers are aimless and don't know what they want in life. So God must be the same. You know, for some of us, fathers uh, showed us love by hugging us. For some of us, fathers show love by not saying out loud the things that make them unhappy. Is that God too? Well, to answer that, we want to look at the Bible and see if any of these characteristics are true of God or not. Um, we, we don't want to just, just casually, automatically import these meanings and pictures of God. And we want to look at the Bible and see, okay, what is a Bible? What does Jesus actually teach us about God the Father? What kind of father is he? And how does this father show us love? So we'll do some of that today. Also, just uh, another uh, specific note or example that I want to make is that um, sometimes um, a meaning of father that we import, um, also, you know, I think as a culture, is that God as a father must be male because fathers are male. But we just want to say God is beyond our categories of sex and gender. So when we call God father, we are not saying that God is male. So instead of importing our own personal or cultural ideas of what a father and then therefore what God the father is like, let's listen to Jesus in Matthew 6 here. Tell us what it means that God is our father. Amen. All right. Amen. I can't hear you. So I'll just assume you guys are saying amen in your hearts. All right. All right. Number one, uh, we're just going to say uh, we're just going to say a few things about what Jesus tells us. Uh, when it comes to God being our Father. Remember, the Lord's Prayer starts with our Father in heaven. That's how we pray. We call him Father. So number one, Jesus says that God as a Father knows what we need. In verse 7 and 8, Jesus says, When you pray, do not heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles do. I mean, that is people who don't know Christ. For they think they'll be heard for their many words. Apparently, that was a way that um, I think the Roman uh, culture uh, taught people to pray um, to their gods. Like you could just uh, say a lot of words. Maybe it involved uh, like magical incantations. Um, but Jesus says, don't be like that. And his reason is in verse eight, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. He says the same thing later in chapter 6 in verse 32. He says, don't worry, because your father knows what you need even before you ask him. Asking for things is not the heart of prayer. See, if God knows what we need before we ask him, you might wonder, well, why do we pray at all? If God knows what I need, why do I pray? Um, if asking for things trying to find things we need from God is the point of prayer, I'll say Jesus's words are hard to make sense of. I don't think they make sense. But Jesus is telling us that that's not the point. That's not the heart of prayer. See, according to Jesus, who is our Lord, who is our guru of prayer, prayer is not about a transaction. It's not a mechanism to get things. You know, it's not you know, basically a culturally acceptable form of witchcraft. You know, the heart of witchcraft is a desire to control. Do not make prayer to your father into witchcraft. You know, I think it's for the same reason that Jesus sees through a lot of prosperity preaching and, and a lot of like superstitious rituals. He knows that prayer is not about 
transactions fundamentally. It's not a transactional business. It's about a relationship. We call God our Father. We don't call God the lone officer of heaven. He's not Santa Claus either. To Jesus, God is not someone we write to once a year or once in a while we send a, a wish list to. No, he is a father who knows what we need before we ask him. That's not the heart of prayer, just asking and getting things. That's not the heart of prayer. He, he knows what we need before we ask him. That's secondary. So if God knows what we need before we say anything, why pray? To be one with him. To know our Father in heaven, to be one with our Father God. Parents, parents who are here, how would you feel if your kid only talked to you when they needed something? You know, what if um, after school you you ask your kid, "Hey, how was school today?" And they're just like, "Fine," and they don't say anything else. I'm, I'm hot, you know, I'm I'm actually just kind of sort of kidding about that because probably all of us have experienced that. Kids who are watching, when your parents ask you that, please try to say something. They just want to get to know you better. That's all. Um, but if all your parent-child conversation is just kids asking parents for things, what kind of relationship is that? You know, I think that's a mistake. A lot of parents who have been sort of out of the picture for a while and then they're trying to reestablish a relationship with their kids, that's a mistake a lot of parents make. Um, thinking that, well, I'll just buy them a lot of stuff off a wish list and that will make our relationship great. You know, and I mean, that can be nice, but that's not the relationship we want. That's not a parent-child relationship that we're looking for or that God has in mind or that God models for us. You know, I, I think this is in some ways a message, just this short phrase, our Father in heaven. This is a very powerful message for all of us who don't really consider ourselves all that religious or spiritual. You know, maybe for uh, some of us who are watching or taking part in this worship, you know, you don't really consider yourself all that spiritual a person. Um, maybe this stuff is all kind of new to you and you're not sure how to pray. You know, you're asking like, what do I ask for in prayer? Like, what do I say? How do I ask? And again, Jesus tells us that God, our Father, knows what we need, whether we pray or not. And the heart of prayer isn't asking for and getting things. The heart of prayer is knowing God as our Father. It's oneness with God our Father. The heart of prayer is relationship. You know, I remember talking with uh, someone, a very dear sister, a few years ago about, it's, it's about like, it was about nine months before she got baptized. And at that time, she was just starting to experience Christ. She had just started coming to church. And um, she was saying that she, you know, we, we were talking, um, we had coffee, and she was saying that she wants to develop this relationship with God. But, you know, she was wondering, like, how do I pray? You know, what do I say? And I remember I asked her, well, um, like, how have you been praying? I think you've been trying to pray. So uh, what have you been saying? And I wish I wrote down what she said because, you know, it was so good. I wish we could use it for, like, our Sunday prayers as a church. But um she was, she was saying, and I can only remember loosely what she said, but she was saying, I pray like this. Well, I guess I say stuff like, God, thank you for the light you've brought into my life and the happiness that uh, you make me feel. You're so beautiful. I love you. I want to know you better. And she said more as tears uh, rolled down her face. And um, I just said to her, yeah, just keep doing that. I think you're doing it right. 
Um, you know, a few days ago, just a few days ago, I was talking with my friend um, who's a Christian and um, he has gone through uh, just recently some very hard times, like maybe uh, some of the hardest things you can go through in life. And he's been praying throughout this time, um, praying for healing, praying for help. And um, it, it just didn't happen. And he's thinking out loud um, with me, like, how am I supposed to pray? And he's saying, well, you know, Carl, I'll pray for you. And, you know, the tough things that you're talking about, that we're going through, that you're going through. Um, but I don't know if God will answer yes. And, um, you know, we're just talking about this. And, you know, I ended up telling him what I plan to say to all of us today. The heart of prayer isn't about asking for things, even like good things, even about like the most important things in life and getting them. You know, God knows what we need. Again, Jesus says, God, your father knows what you need before you ask him. So if Jesus is right, the heart of prayer can't be asking for things and then hopefully getting them. No, the heart of prayer is about connecting with God, our father, being one with him. See, God wants to speak to us and to share his heart with us in prayer. And God wants us to tell him about things every day, day and night, because there is no part of life that he wants us to experience without him. I'm just going to say that one more time. There is no part of life that God, our Father, wants us to experience without him. There's nothing that we go through that he wants us to go through without him or apart from him. See, prayer is a way that we experience God walking and living with us, carrying our burdens with us every day. He carries our burdens regardless. That's what he promises. But we can either like feel like he doesn't and then sort of be told later that he actually did all along, or we can really experience that in real time, him carrying our burdens. And I'd much rather experience it in real time. You know, and prayer is how we do that. So uh, number one, Jesus says that God as a father knows what we, what we need and asking for things that we need is not the heart of prayer. The heart of prayer is oneness with God our Father, amen? All right, number two, Jesus says that God as a father sees us even when no one else does. Jesus says that God as a father sees us even when no one else does. The opening um, verses of Matthew chapter six is Jesus telling us, when you pray, don't like make a big show of it because fa the Father sees us when we do things even in secret. There's nothing hidden from him. He says, when you give, you can give in secret and the Father will see you even if nobody else does. He says, when you pray, you can pray by yourself in a room with the door closed and God the Father hears you. He hears you even when no one else does. That's what prayer is. Prayer is a part of a history with God that we build, a history with God, a life together that we build with God. In any relationship, that's what you do. You build on common experiences. You build memories. You build a history together. And that's no different with God. And sometimes that history is secret, like no one else knows um, except, you know, us and God. You know, I heard someone say, um, or like a speaker say 25 years ago, build a secret history with God. And, you know, since then, like, I, I've really been trying. You know, I really want, you know, just like Jesus says here, like, I want what others see in my life. 
to just be a, like sort of a tip of an iceberg because there's so much more of life that God sees and maybe only God sees. God sees us. God sees you and has a perfect memory. He keeps our history together with him, our shared history. He keeps that history so reliably. Uh, I, I think as many of you know, uh, my family has experienced struggles with memory. And one of the comforts that I have had is that God remembers even when we do not. God remembers everything. You know, friends joke with me um, that my wife's like loss of memory is a good thing. Like, man, you're so lucky, you know, that she doesn't remember all the bad things you did, you know. Um, and that's that's hilarious and true. But what's uh, what's hard, um, and uh, you know what's um, like emotionally hard is that at the same time, you know, I've I've you know when I think I've tried really hard to be a good friend and a good husband to her, you know, like it's you know I would say been like a number one priority in my life, and uh, you know nothing I wouldn't do for her, that kind of thing. And it's difficult to feel that you know I've tried hard to be a good husband and. You know, that's been erased. A lot of that's been erased. But, you know, I take comfort in that it's not erased uh, with God. You know, I've read recently about how memory is a very malleable thing and how all histories that, like, we know or we write uh, are, in, in many ways, revisionist histories. You know, so a question we always have to wrestle with is, basically, is our memory, is our history reliable? And I think they are going to be unreliable to some degree for all of us, to some degree. But God's memory is very, very reliable. You know, maybe you don't deal with something as extreme as memory loss, but you do deal with like things in the past that no one else really understands or no one else maybe even knows about. You do deal with a lack of appreciation from other people, a lack of recognition, whether it's from friends, family, or work. And Jesus gives you good news. Our Father sees and knows you perfectly. And he holds your history in his heart. This is what it means when we say that God is our Father. He sees us and knows us. And when we pray, we're praying to someone that knows us so completely, that knows our past so completely good and bad. When you pray, do you know this about God? That he sees you, that he remembers your history, that you have such a deep history with him? Let's remember that as we pray to God, our Father. Number three, God says that our prayer is, or let me say that again. Number three, Jesus says that our prayer is to God, our Father. It's really something done for God, our Father. It isn't a show for others. All right, God is our Father. He says it's totally right for us to call God Father because we are really connected to Him, connected to Him. And we are really connected to Him that intimately. And our prayer is actually to the Father. These aren't just words. When he says, pray to God, your Father, he's not just giving us like words to say, something to say rotely. 
he wants us to know that when we're praying, we're praying to our Father, our Father who sees us, who knows us, who knows everything that we need even before we ask him. It's not a show for other people. It's making prayer uh, a show, I guess, really for other people and not as a real dialogue with God. This is a temptation for religious people. So I guess here, I'm just sort of addressing those of us who are more like religious because an unreligious person doesn't, I don't think, really have this temptation. You know, an unreligious person actually might wonder, like, why are you making prayer super long and flowery? You know, later Jesus talks about fasting and he says, um, you know, when you fast, don't like disfigure your face and look all rough um, so that, um, you know, it's part of like your show for other people. Um, so if you're a non-religious person, you might be thinking, like, why would you try to look all rough when you're fasting? You know, even if you're fasting, don't you want to look good? You know, put moisturizer on and so on. But for religious people who might be tempted to care about what other religious people think of them and their religiosity, this is a temptation. This is why, um, like, worship leaders, prayer leaders, uh, music leaders, they have to be cold and even ruthlessly cold to thoughts about what other people think. They have to be ruthlessly cold to um, a worry about how they sound, how they look. You know, I know there's like a tension because sometimes these people who are leading us in worship and prayer and so on, um, you know, it's in some ways public speaking. And so there's this tension between public speaking and then genuine Christ-like prayer that he teaches us here. Um, and by the way, I'm not, I don't mean to use that as an excuse for me stumbling over words or making mistakes when I sing. Um, but our prayer is to God, our Father. You know, we don't pray whether we sing the prayer or speak it or speak it in poetry or speak it in tongues. We don't pray to impress other people. Worship and prayer are not performances for others. It's prayer to God, our Father. I just want to encourage you to keep that in mind. When you pray with other people, when you pray in your small groups, when you pray at our prayer meetings um, by Zoom on Tuesday nights, 8 o'clock, um, they're not performances for other people. We're praying to God, our Father, with all the love and intimacy associated with that. So let's do that. Just to go through these three points real quick as we talk about Jesus teaching us to pray to God, our Father. When you pray, pray like this. Say, our Father, our Father. Number one, Jesus says that God as a Father knows what we need. So asking for things isn't the heart of prayer. Oneness with our Father is the heart of prayer. Number two, Jesus says that God as a Father sees us even when no one else does. So when we pray, we come to a God who knows everything about us, who knows our history and who knows our future, but who knows us completely. And finally, Jesus encourages us to remember that our prayer is to God, our Father, and it isn't a show for others. God, our Father, hears us. It's not a religious act. It's not a supernatural sort of um, religious ritual. It's not a superstitious thing. It's not witchcraft. It's not a sort of a spiritual wish list. It's oneness. It's dialogue. It's a life together with God, our Father. The kind of life together with God, the Father that Jesus has and that Jesus invites us to and has won for us.
you know, right now we're going to take communion and we're going to remember that it's because of Jesus that we pray to God not like to we pray to God like this. Not just that he teaches us to pray like this, but he makes it possible for us to pray like this in a way that's really real and genuine. It's not just what we wish were true, not just something that we would we like hearing, but a relationship that's totally true and real. It's a relationship that we have with God, our Father, because of Jesus. It's because Jesus died for us that we have a life like this with God, our Father, a life with God, our Father, who knows what we need before we ask God, the Father, who sees everything about us and wants us to be close to him. But before we take communion, um, we're going to say this uh, just summary of Christ's story to remind uh, one another and ourselves. Uh, who we are as people, the story that uh, animates and um, I guess directs our life, that gives our life a sense of meaning. And it starts with, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. So as it appears on the screen, um, let's speak these words together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. He took bread and he broke it. And he said, remember me that this is my body broken for you. And he took the cup and he said, this is the cup of my blood shed for you, poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And he says, when we eat this cup, or sorry, when we eat this bread and when we drink this cup, we proclaim Jesus' death until he comes. As we think about God, our Father, as we think about just the wonder and just, I don't know, the impossible intimacy that we share with him, Let's remember that we have this because of Christ. And so as we take the bread and the cup, let's not do it mournfully or um, very sadly. Let's do it thankfully and joyfully. Let's eat and drink. Father God, you're our Father, and you see us, you know us completely. You know everything we need. And we have understood through Christ our Lord that you want us to be close to you, that you want us to talk to you, that you want us to have a connection, a relationship that, that Jesus had with you. 
And so um, we call you Father. And it's, I don't know, taking a step back, it's, it's crazy for us to be able to call you that. It's crazy for us to think that just you know us the way you do. You care for us the way you do. Father God, we, we praise you. We love you. You're so beautiful. Draw us close to you. We pray for everyone here. We pray for those who uh, feel far from you, who have felt far from you, that you would be drawing them close through your Holy Spirit, through your word, that you would be just convicting their heart deep and, you know, not just cognitively, but emotionally and in every way, you know, all their life that, that Lord, that you are a father to us. Lord, fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your spirit to know you, to be close to you the way you want. Give us courage to pray, Father. Through Christ, who died, who, did, who, sh who broke uh, his body, who uh, shed his blood uh, for our sake. Because of him, we pray to you like this, Father. Amen.
friends, uh, beloved of God the Father, children, true children of God the Father, may this God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this God of peace, sanctify you completely and make your whole um, spirit and soul and body kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Let's go from here uh, to others, blessed, um, trying to be a blessing to others through the power of the Spirit in the love of God, our Father. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hope that we can see you uh, again soon next week, uh, maybe in some of our uh, things that are going on this week. Um, during the week, we hope to see you soon.